Hockey fans, are you ready to brave the wild? With me, your buddy Paladino, Joey. Well, today we are going to have a humongous episode. Episode number 18 of Brave the Wild. Today is Thursday, May the 7th, 2009. Of course, it is Thursday only because it is 1 in the morning. Yes, one in the morning. This is my latest show I've ever done in my life. <laughs> That's because I, you know, I had to stay up late tonight due to, uh, scheduling and I wanted to get this show done tonight. Um, had an interview, or at least, well, not an interview, co-host with Neil Nate Dog Thiesing. Neil Thiesing, who is a hockey wonk, a definite hockey expert who joins Brave the Wild today. Definitely excited to have him on board. I'm sure you will enjoy him as well. We have a long, long show today. Do enjoy it. We talk about the Minnesota Wild. Uh, well, pretty much it's a state of the wild today. State of the wild. We talk about the season, our most viable player, most disappointment, and most improved player on the team, myself and Neil's choices, along with GM Doug Reisbrow, Jacques Lemaire, the firing of Reisbrow, the resignation of Jacques Lemaire. Um, yeah, I mean, so much has happened since the recent show, the most recent show, episode number 17. It's been over a month, and the reason for that, of course, is lawn cleanups. Lawn cleanups always getting in the way. <laughs> April and November, year in and year out, spring cleanup, fall cleanups. Yeah, they're a pain in the butt, but... When you work, well, I mean, in this economy, you need two jobs if you're going to survive, and that's just how it is, unfortunately. So, again, enough of my life. Great to be back on board as we're coming back with a bang. You could easily say this is the signature show of Brave the Wild to this point in time. And episode number 18 is a biggie. It is spectacular. I hope you enjoy it indeed. Of course, Brave the Wild is available on thesportstuff.com. That's right, thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. Thank you always for downloading and listening to this wonderful hockey show here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Golden Valley, Minnesota, of course, being my neck of the woods. <laughs> but um, do join the message boards on thesportstuff.com. Myself and Neil, Nate Dog are members of thesportstuff.com. Of course, Neil doesn't post very much. I wish he would do that more often. But, uh, you know, that's just how it goes. We'll, we'll, we'll get him to post more often in that wild section. We need more of you out there, hockey fans. We need you to join those message boards on the sportstuff.com where we can talk more hockey, more Minnesota wild. We need more Minnesotans on the sportstuff.com. Too many of those East Coasters and California guys. No offense, Dylan Richardson, but we need more Minnesotans on there, dang it. <laughs> Of course, Dylan Richardson, executive producer of thesportstuff.com, cannot do any of this without him. He is the man. He is our leader, and I appreciate him very, very much. Also, minnesota.nhlfansite.com, minnesota.nhlfansite.com, nice enough to put a link to Brave the Wild. In the front center of their page, there's a link. It says Brave the Wild, Minnesota Wild Show. Of course, do check out that website. There is tons of wild information on there all the time. It is a beautiful website. Do check it out. Thank you again, Chris, the webmaster of that website. All righty. Well, we're going to get right into the thick of things here on episode number 18. Do enjoy. We'll be right back, though, right after this announcement. Here on thesportstuff.com, get on board the Viking ship with Purple Mafia. We will talk about the new Purple People Eaters and the best running back in the NFL, Adrian Peterson. This team is ready to make a move forward. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com along with iTunes and Mediafly. Simply download and listen to the most honest and passionate Vikings coverage. We are here today on Brave the Wild. We are joined by Neil Thiesing, also known as Nate Dog. We are thrilled to have him on board today on Brave the Wild, our first guest on Brave the Wild. And Neil is absolutely a hockey wonk, which means if you spell wonk backwards, it spells no, meaning he's in the no. He knows his hockey. And it's great to have you on board today, Neil. How are you today? Uh, pretty good, Joe. Uh, thanks for having me on. 
All right, not a problem. It's a, it's always a pleasure to have you on board. Uh, today we're going to discuss the Minnesota Wild season as a whole, which, in a lot of ways, not the most, not the, you know, this 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 year just did not live up to the hype for the Minnesota Wild. A lot of people expected this team to take a step forward in some direction, uh, though unfortunately we did lose Brian Ralston, who was a Obviously a huge loss. We lost Pavel Dimitra. Some people think that's a loss. I did and I didn't, I guess. We lost scoring, but we lost attitude as well. And he was pretty much injury prone. And uh, to me, <laughs> a guy who, well, his his defense certainly didn't help the team either and wasn't really a fit with Jacques Lemaire. But, um, but then he did kill us when he was with the Blues, though. He, like, you know, it seemed like he was their, like, main passing guy, and he just killed us when, you know, we ever played against him. Oh, yeah, like like in the past or, or this current year? No, this current year. Oh, yeah, 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 with Vancouver, yeah. It seemed like every single game Minnesota Wild played against Vancouver, Pablo Dimitra scored. That just was so frustrating, wasn't it? I know, I was, like, going to strangle him. Yeah, me too. I mean, this guy... We gave up Patrick O'Sullivan and a first-round draft pick to the Los Angeles Kings just to rent him for two years. <laughs> just drove me nuts. Yeah. And he didn't really fit in, and Gabrick was hurt pretty much the whole time. And he yeah. was hurt the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it just wasn't a match. Yeah, I got his autograph in Burnsville, and I'm just going to, like, throw it in the fire. <laughs> That's how pissed I am. Oh, yeah, I, I would be. I mean, what a frustrating deal that was, having... Uh, I mean, a lot of us were excited at the time because we thought it was going to be the dream team between, uh, you know, with Gabrick and Demetra together, as they were so good in the, uh, the the hockey championships in the past for the for the Slovaks. But it just they, they were pretty good together. They, you yeah. know, they they'd pass, shoot, and score. But then when it comes to the playoffs, they just fucking blow it. You know, it's like <laughs> wow, they can't, you know, they can't fucking score. Uh, you know, we're shit. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Oh man, it's just <laughs> uh oh. The first f bomb dropped on Brave the Wild. <laughs> Look at you. No, but yeah, um, it was a really tough, tough go. I mean, it, it just yeah. I mean, Gabrick started off his his run with the Minnesota Wild. Of course, he's a topic as well as we don't know what's going to happen with him now in the off season and. Uh, just the, the Wild could have traded him over, you know, the Wild could have traded him over the summer. They could have traded him before the trade deadline of the previous year when they won the division or were on course to winning division, and they didn't do it. They had no foresight. And, um, yeah, that will be a topic we'll get into the next segment when um, we get into Doug Riseborough. i got a lot to say about him. But, uh, yeah, that pretty much set the tone for this season. Um as now the Wild add, of course, Owen Nolan to the mix. P, uh, excuse me, Mark Andre Bergeron and Merrick Zidlicky. I, I, I personally was excited at the time in acquiring two offensive defensemen, but the problem is they weren't really very good defensively at all, and that it just kind of killed the purpose there. And with no scores, they couldn't really set anybody up, could they? No, not really. Uh, yeah, it was kind of tough when you'd see it, you know, they could score, but, you know, they didn't score very often, and it was like, you know, we didn't really have any kind of flow, I thought, you know, on offense or really defense either. Yeah, I mean, ab- absolutely. This this whole year, I would be watching games, and it's like my first year with this, it was my first full season with uh, an, an actual Minnesota Wild podcast, like last year, kind of half the year with Paladino Live, where it was kind of wild wolves and twins and vikings all mixed into one that was kind of a tough deal but man it's like i was like oh good there's a wild game tonight i don't know do i really you know (laughs) it's like i i just got so tired of those two to one losses to vancouver two to nothing losses you know calgary coming in and kicking us four to one it was like what is going on Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, the first the first line was i thought pretty good but after that like you know, watching Koivu, Nolan, and, you know, maybe Mantin or Bouchard on the first line, or, you know, Gabrick later. I thought, you know, first line, we had pretty good first line, and, you know, it it was exciting to watch them. The offense was just amazing. But after that, I just, like, flipped the channel. You know, it's not freaking worth watching the other lines. No, definitely not. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. 
to be honest. I mean, guys like, man, guy. I mean, guys like James Shepard. That guy was just a complete bust this year. He he played all 82 games somehow. Didn't get scratched once. Um, <laughs> uh, excuse me. Uh, well, Nick Schultz, he's never really been an offensive guy, but the guy I'm getting to is Benoit Puglia. He was a he was a disappointment. I mean, a fourth overall pick for this team, and after Puglia, th- who? Yeah, really, <laughs> Puglia, who? I mean, it's like what is going on? He was fourth overall pick in 2004 or five, excuse me. And a lot of us thought, oh wow, the Wild got to really move up in the draft after a kind of a weak 2004 season, and this is what we wind up with—a guy who just doesn't use. Yeah, he is. He's really no out of sight, out of mind, you know. Mm-hmm, totally. I, the only good part was when he went to Houston. It seemed like he finally started to grow up a little bit. Like he developed a little more consistency. All of a sudden, he had the right attitude for like the first time in his in his career. So that's the one major encouraging part about uh, Ben Wapulia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really didn't see much of their games. I guess I watched, you know. Once in a while, I saw him on TV, but for the most part, I really didn't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all like the the Houston Arrows and such. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's a team you can't really watch too much. I mean, it's nice with that they actually would feed us some of those games on occasion when there was nothing else, no Wolves or Wild going on. But um, mm-hmm. the way I kind of kept up with it was just, you know, the Internet and um, scouting mm-hmm. reports and Star Tribune and stuff like that, articles. But yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of cool to watch some of those. But um, yeah. overall, one other guy I forgot to mention about additions, of course, a guy that I just I absolutely love, and he played hurt all year, and you could kind of hear it in his voice on his weekly interviews on PA and Dubay, or eventually Paul Allen. Of course, we know what happened to Jeff Dubay, but <laughs> yeah, and Andrew Brunette, you could just tell Andrew Brunette, a guy I just love. You could just tell he wasn't the same guy most of the year. And, um, yeah. yeah, it turned out he had a partially torn ACL all season. Wow. Yeah, isn't that something? That's crazy. Yeah, and he played through it. Um, he lost. He ended his Ironman streak but still managed to play 80 games, 80 out of 82. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it was phenomenal. And he still wound up with 50 points, which, I, which yeah. I'm actually surprised with, too. Because for a while there, he was kind of struggling, but at least he finished strong. Mm-hmm. So I'll give him credit there. Um Owen Nolan to me, wow. I mean, that ended up being a really surprising addition with 45 points in 59 games. That just totally surprised me. Led the team in goals, 25 for Owen Nolan. Yeah, that was, he was a good addition. Plus, he's like an older guy. You know, you wouldn't think you'd get that kind of production off an older vet, you know, like Nolan. Yeah, I mean, 36 years old. I even called him Old Man Nolan, as you probably heard on some of my broadcasts over the, over the season. And, um mm-hmm. One other addition, Antti Miettinen, a guy who was kind of, mm, he's kind of a third or fourth line guy on most teams. He ended up being kind of second, and he produced. He played He played all 82 games, 44 points. Not mm-hmm. too bad. Not too bad. I mean, not, not like, amazing, but. Yeah. Least, oh, go he ahead. Did, he did pretty good, uh, Miettinen. Uh, you know, I wasn't expecting much. Um, yeah. I've seen him play with the Stars. You know, he's just okay. Well, just the beginning of the season, though, I thought he was on fire, you know. He was, like, scoring like crazy. I was just like, wow, nothing's going to stop this guy this year. And then he just kind of, like, you know, after the first, you know, few weeks after Gavrik left, he just, his flame just, like, blew out. Yeah, it, it seems like that happens a lot with the Wild. That that happened with Eric Belanger last year. Huh? He was kind of like a medium, you know, medium market uh, addition. He started out amazing. You're like, wow, this Eric Belanger, he's the real deal. And then, you know, he kind of flamed out as well. Um, it just seems to be like a tradition. You know, we kind of find, we sort of find diamonds in the rough that they overachieve a little bit, but not as much as it appears. I mean, Miennin was neck and neck with Miko Koivu for a while er, er, earlier on in the year. Mm-hmm. That was a joy to watch. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck emerged nicely. He led the NHL in hits as a rookie, which is crazy. Um, yeah, that, he was like a super freak, man. He was like, you know, <laughs> checking people like every, you know, someone came by him, you know, they wouldn't get past him without them being on the ice, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's not, that's what it was all about with him the whole year, just boom, boom, and then he turned around and hit the next guy. <laughs> it's, 
I'm I just hope I, I'm just hope he doesn't get a concussion. That's one thing I'm afraid of with 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 that when you constantly, you know, constantly just, making contact like that. <laughs> yeah, the worst injury you could get in hockey, like you use your knees more than anything else. That's like mm-hmm. if you have an injury to your knee, that'll like pretty much, you know, you might as well just retire because it's it's the hardest injury to get you know back from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we're hoping and praying that Andrew Brunette, who had surgery almost immediately after the season, yeah. you know, as we mentioned, you know, like he had played with a partially torn ACL all year. And it's just, you know, you know how you say that, how like a knee, you might as well just retire. It's just amazing at age 35 what Brunette could still do with, with that type of injury. I mean, yeah. That, that's a guy I continue to come back to, you know, because he, he, to me, he is like a perfect example of who you want to lead your team. You know, or, or at least be one of the three leaders, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, he's a definite Iron Man of the league. Mm-hmm. And a, and a class individual, too. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You just love listening to him on the radio or on TV and anything. And I met him in person a few years back at the, was it the Wild Skills Competition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was really cool. You could just, you know, tell he, he is what he is. He's not just putting on a... Uh, mask for like the the camera or the microphone. I mean, that's who he is. Yeah, he's uh one of those people who are just for real, you know. Mm-hmm. Not no no nothing fake about him, you know. Yeah, yeah, he'll tell it like it is, and and also, you know, he'll 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 just be a you know like kind of like a gentle leader for your team. I mean, he's a guy I would I would gravitate towards if 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 I was a young, well, I guess a twenty nine year old vet now, but. <laughs> But if yeah. I was on the team, yeah, I would gravitate to that guy. Yeah, I was pretty mad when he left uh, Minnesota. I was just like, "What? You got rid of him?" You know, it's like, "What the hell are you thinking?" Mm-hmm. Oh, ab- absolutely. It was that was. I mean, and Doug Risebrow admitted he made a mistake, and that was the first time I ever heard him say it, and mm. and the last time I ever heard him say he made a mistake is uh, letting him go to Colorado. Remember, he was a factor for Colorado against us in the. Playoff loss last year, four games to two against the, the hated Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he scored that game-winning goal, that was, like, the happiest moment in, like, wild history. Oh. oh, yeah, the the one against the uh, – yeah, the one where he actually scored against Colorado in 2003. That was spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, like, then to see him come back and score against us in the postseason years later when he played Colorado again, that was just kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, that was figures. very weird. Yeah, figures. <laughs> that was right. like hockey god weird. Oh, yeah. It's just it's just the way it goes, I guess. Yeah. Just, just lucky to have him back for, like, the mm-hmm. final three years or so. And mm-hmm. uh, one final guy, well, I guess two people, I guess. One final, or, ah, excuse me, second last guy I'm going to get into, Pierre Marc Bouchard, who started off the season, like, basically completely, <laughs> this guy was a complete was completely invisible. Sorry, as I'm like searching for the word for some reason. Uh, lucky enough to finish with 46 points in 71 games, but for the longest time he had like three points, six points till like halfway through December, and it's like, what is going on? We just signed him to a, I believe, yeah, what was it, five year deal? We literally mm-hmm. just signed him when he was in a potential trade uh, rumor for Ole Jokinen, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you imagine Pierre Marc Bouchard and James Shepard for Ole Okunen right now? That wouldn't look too bad, but uh, yeah. that just was that was really painful to, to see. I mean, thankfully he stepped it up in the year as the year went on, but certainly certainly underachieved in the main frame of things. Did Pierre oh, yeah. Marc Bouchard? Yeah, that was tough. He definitely has room for improvement. Um, mm-hmm. He likes to hold on the puck a lot, and sometimes it's good. Like, uh, you watch in the playoffs now, you see, like, the Washington Capitals, like, they can hold on to it and spin around people, like, so easily. Yeah. Like, it's good, good that way to get away from people, but, you know, you got to get that puck to the person in front of the net, you know. That's yeah. all, that's what it's about, scoring goals, you know. Yeah. Who cares not... if you can, like, spin around people and, you know, do all this fancy shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what he does a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely affected his him to this point. Um, what I'm amazed with with Pierre Marc Bouchard, for the most part, um, well, this year he finally did have injury problems. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, 71 games. 
But uh, in the past, my goodness, it was like 82 games, 81 games. For someone as his size, at least he's durable, and that's the one major thing I like about him. Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. Yep, yep, you can hear that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, early on in his career, the only reason he didn't play 82 games or something is because he kept getting scratched because he was just, you know, so raw. But um, mm-hmm. one final player I'm going to get into until we get to our uh, bit about most valuable Biggest disappointment and biggest surprise. Uh, Brent Burns, who also took a step back here, unfortunately, after just a huge breakthrough season last year with 43 points and uh, just totally surged for the Wild as a defenseman last season. This year, Jacques Lemaire, due to our lack of depth up front with injuries to guys like Pierre-Marc Bouchard and uh, and Gabrick especially, um, they moved Brent Burns up to forward, and it just it really seemed to screw him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, just didn't seem like he was, uh, you know, had the same kind of sense because what he was good with when he played D was stepping up on Ford one the time, you know, the best time possible to get up there. Yeah. But, you know, he was always open in front of the net when, you know, he saw the lane there. But, you know, it it totally changes your perspective of, you know, once you go to Ford, you got to find different lanes in front of the net, and, you know, you just don't have the same kind of shot as you do when you're, you know, defense. Yeah, yeah, because defense is a lot more, you know, a lot more slap shots, a lot more setting up other players, especially mm-hmm. on the power play. Yeah, like you're trying to just get the puck on net, and Burns did that a lot last year and was able to get those 28 assists because, you know, a slap shot not only, you know, can get in, can, can, can score on occasion, you know, which isn't all the time, but... Uh, it's to set up rebounds, at least for other players, like maybe Andrew Brunette, who's cla- who's classic at you know sniffing and rebounds. <laughs> yeah, or sticking in rebounds. Excuse me, bad terminology. <laughs> I'm fired. No, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean at this point in time, to me, is now we're going to slide in after talking about Brent Burns. Oh, real quick, I've, um, another major thing of note. Brent Burns, of course, only being able to play 59 games this year, 27 points as a whole, uh, had a concussion, and that was also and the Wild pretty much kept him, kept playing him, and didn't see, didn't even know he had a concussion, despite the fact the symptoms were glaring, like um, just massive headaches, lack of focus, and they kept him in there, not even knowing he had a concussion. That to me was very confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hockey players do tend to, uh, you know, act like they're tough or whatever. And, you know, yeah, they, <laughs> just because their head hurts doesn't mean they're going to stop, you know. You know, they don't stop playing if they get injured. They're, you know, they're tough guys. So. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Brunette, the ultimate example with the, the torn ACL. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, to me it just it just pissed me off how the management didn't even seem to figure it out. As um, Now his agent is all ticked off at us and, it's just mm-hmm. kind of creating. It's just, it's just what we need after all the animosity with, with uh, Marion Gabrick. Now it's the last thing we need is to get more animosity now with Brent Burns. As long as he doesn't get any more concussions, because when you get that first concussion, like mm-hmm. the the next ones come can come pretty easily, you know. Yeah, it, it just gets easier and easier and easier as we've seen over the years. Especially a guy I don't even want to say his name, but I have to. Eric Lindros. Ugh. No. Mm. Eric Eric concussion Lindros. Mm-hmm. It's like you just touch him. No. Yeah. Any career though, like any career, if you get a concussion, yeah, you're gonna, you know, a likely chance you're gonna get a next, you know, and con- the concussion the next time you get hit is like fifty percent, you know. Yeah, and it's, that's frightening. Yeah, it's career ending. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Steve Steve Young. Yep. Steve Young. Sorry. 49ers quarterback is a big example there. Mm-hmm. But, oh, excuse me. But, yeah, now we're going to get into our most valuable player for the Minnesota Wild. And um, to me, the most valuable player, for most of the year, I would have said Miko Koivu. I mean, I would have said it in a heartbeat. But just something just something wasn't right about Miko Koivu later in the season. So I'm going to go with the, the guy who made the All-Star team, Nicholas Backstrom, who – Absolutely kept the Wild in so many games this year. He he was absolutely the man that, that led this team this season with eight shutouts, 37 
and 24 win-loss record, save percentage of about of, of over 92, goals against average 2.33. And, and, and like I said, this guy kept us in so many games this year. And uh, to me, Nicholas Backstrom is your 2008-2009 Minnesota Wild most valuable player. And he, and he is in the, like the one to three, or he's probably around the three range for in the NHL for goalies this year. He's just yeah. been, you know, outstanding. A top three goalie in the entire NHL, yeah, absolutely. Him and Tim Thomas, and uh, I, I guess to me right now it's those two. Mm-hmm. And maybe Brodeur, I guess, pretty much, because he's always going to be there. <laughs> yeah, he always gets the shutouts. Mm-hmm. So is Nicholas Backstrom your choice for MVP? Um, I do definitely like Nicholas Backstrom. I think mm-hmm. he's an amazing goalie. You know, you can't get much better than that. But yeah. I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you a different guy. Um, mm-hmm. My MVP for this year is Olin Nolan. That's and not a bad choice. Go ahead. 59 games played, which is, you know, he's an older guy, so he's not going to play as much. Yeah, lots but 25, of 25 goals, the most, you know, of the whole team. Yeah. 20 assists, which is not bad. And uh, 45 points for this year, which is pretty damn good, you know. Yeah. I mean that's not a bad choice at all. I mean he looked he he almost looked like a poor man's version of what he was at San Jose. Mm. I mean he really stepped it up this year. Like the best his best season since he was with the San Jose Sharks years ago. Yep. Just amazing. I mean nobody would have thought he would have led the team in goals this year. Just nobody. I know. Just beautiful. I thought he'd be like a role player at best. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like Eric Belanger, oh goody. Yeah, I was like. Cause he has so much experience, you know. It's like he, mm-hmm. when I watched him play this year, like he could find those gaps like no one else, you know. He knew where to sit and where to wait for that pass, you know. Mm-hmm. And with Richard feeding him those passes, it was like, you know, gold, you know, it's money in the bank. Absolutely. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing to watch this year. I'll, 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 like, yeah, a couple other people have named him MVP, a guy on uh, – KFAN, Brandon Molesky, he's a big, giant, uh, you know, big, giant hockey guy who's actually on Beyond the Pond as well. That's another show on KFAN, which aired on Saturdays during the hockey season. But So definitely, definitely good pick, Neil, as you know your hockey. Um, so now we're going to move on to the biggest disappointment of the year. And uh, there's quite a few on this team, <laughs> quite a few. But a guy who was able to stay on the team all year, I, I got to go with James Shepard. As last year, he showed so many signs that he, you know, I mean, he he, he played, he brought so many intangibles to this team. He was able to knock away the, you know, knock the puck loose from somebody. He was able to score goals. He had a really solid rookie season. On a, you know, my word, as a 19-year-old rookie. For a guy who was raw as he was, he looked like a factor last year. Um, the numbers weren't necessarily there, but you, you had to figure there was some type of uh, – there was going to be a major step up this year, maybe up to at least 40 points. Instead, gets 24, which he's lucky he even got that because he finished fairly strong. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he made an idiotic comment early in the year. He, even if you agree with it, it's still stupid. As he said, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> he said in a in a more offensive system, I would have way better numbers than in this system. Mm-hmm. That's just being a divisive and way out of line for a guy who's twenty years old. Yeah, yeah, that's part of being young, I guess. You know, you mm-hmm. just, you'd say stuff, and you know, you don't think you know it's going to come back and bite you in the butt, but it does. Yeah, it totally does. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean. James Shepard, by the way, only five goals in all 82 games. Five yeah, goals. That's pretty weak. Mm-hmm. This is just another first-round pick that we're going to talk about in that next segment against Doug Reisbrow, the, the mountain of evidence. No. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be a beautiful thing, the mountain of evidence against Doug Reisbrow, which I thoroughly supported the firing. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so who is your biggest disappointment for 08-09? James Shepard is a really good disappointment, but mm-hmm. um, I would have to go with uh, Brett Burns. Ooh, yeah. I'd say he only played 59 games, and he played a heck of a lot more games last year. And, oh, yeah. you know, he, he scored a lot more, and he scored, you know, last year he had games where he would get the game-winning shots, you know, like quite a few. And this year is like, 
he he only scored, you know, and it didn't even help the team at all. So, mm-hmm. well, I do give it to him that he did go to, you know, a different, you know, he played forward instead of, you know, defense. Um, but still, I I expected a hell of a lot more from him, you know. It's pretty much like uh, Pouliot, you know, out of sight, oh, out of mind. Yeah. Never, you never saw him on the freaking ice, you know. Yeah. Just wasn't 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 the same guy. That's for sure. Um, as yeah, like you mentioned, the game winning goals. He had four game winning goals last year. He he just he really was one of the cornerstones of this team. Or I mean, mm-hmm. not yeah yeah, but this yeah, like he was one of the cornerstones of this team. With that, you know, two years in a row, just major steps forward at that defenseman position. The first wild defenseman to eclipse forty points. And this year, I mean, he was lucky to even have twenty seven points the way he was going. Just wasn't yeah. the same guy at all. Made a Huge blunder in one game where he stepped up when he totally wasn't supposed to and gave up a was it a three on one or three on zero I can't remember what it was exactly in the famous Jacques Lemaire quote where you can not win playing like this you know <laughs> this is the N H L it was just like yes <laughs> but yeah I mean not only the lack of production but you know like the lack of focus just wasn't the same guy at all. Mm-hmm. And when you hear Jack say that, you know, you know it's bad. Yeah, absolutely. Because he'll he'll call people out, and sometimes that can divide the locker room a little bit. But you know, usually you're not going to hear that to like something to that extent. I mean, clearly that was a terrible play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now we get into third and final uh, category here for for this segment. And uh, that would be the biggest surprise of the season. And to me, Will, it was your most valuable player, Owen Nolan. So basically the same deal, the 45 points, leading the team in goals. Like, you know, nobody expected that in a million years. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, Owen Nolan is my biggest surprise for the 2008-2009 season. And I hope and pray he can somehow hold up next year. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine would be... uh... Uh, Zidlicky, uh, yeah. I, I was surprised because uh, we saw him, you know, a mm-hmm. little bit when he played with what was the uh, the other team that he played with before the oh um uh, Nashville na- yeah Nashville or the Thrashers or no oh no, uh, no Nashville <laughs> Predators yeah uh, whatever you know they don't matter <laughs> it's one of our yeah, but, yeah uh, one of our expansion yeah. Brothers. yeah. Um, I saw him, you know, when he played against us, uh, when we played the Predators, uh, he was pretty good, but, um, it was a surprise to me, like, he was a lot more physical, and, you know, he was our main guy on defense, and he took over, you know, that position, he was Mm -hmm. our top, top, I'd say, defensive person for this year, besides Bergeron, you know, which had a great shot, but Zilicki, he was just, brutal you know it, just watching them like check someone against the boards is pretty awesome mm-hmm. yeah i mean that, yeah that and also the the power play points he had 25 points in the power play this year that is yeah. fan, that is fantastic when you when you want it when you get that from a defenseman mm-hmm. and uh, it's something the wild have needed forever they, yeah. they did they did give up a second round pick for him which some people are kind of complaining about for some reason but uh mm-hmm. i did applaud that move i mean Sometimes he gives up plays, but at the same time, this guy really adds on the offensive end. And that power play, he really led the wild power play this season. Yep. Him and Miko Koivu tops on the team. I guess Koivu, yep, 26 power play points. Zidlicky, 25. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So that is your most valuable player, biggest disappointment, and most improved player of the year. Um, very good choices. By Neil, uh, there's a lot of arguments. Or, I mean, you can make a lot of good arguments for a lot of people, especially in the disappointment area. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Like, Brunette wouldn't fit in any of those. I wouldn't say he's most valuable nor disappointment or surprise. Definitely not surprised that he was a factor, at least. But um, mm-hmm. uh, The biggest disappointment, though, for the whole team would have to be the injuries. Oh, Especially yeah. Gabrick, Brunette, and Burns. You mm-hmm. don't want to see that many injuries to key players. You know, yeah. during the year, and this year has been really bad. So, yeah, this, this yeah. was just a colossal year for 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 injuries. Yeah, just it was so 
it, it, it killed this team, and it's, it's a shame. So with that, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back after a short announcement. As After that, we are going to talk about the new deal with uh, who's going to be the new GM, the new coach. We're going to also talk about, especially talk about Risebrow and Lemire. So we'll be right back after this. Here on thesportstuff.com, we're bursting in blue with Timberwolves Explosion. Timberwolves fans, your show has arrived at last as we bring in a new era with Al Jefferson, Kevin Love, and Mike Miller. We're available on thesportstuff.com and also available on iTunes. Download and listen to in-depth and detailed coverage of your favorite team. Show your true blue and join this explosion of Timberwolves basketball. Back here on Brave the Wild. Thanks again for joining us. Do check out Timberwolves Explosion. A very exciting episode coming up for that one as well. As I hope to have Marcus the Forecaster join me. Not quite sure how that's going to turn out. As he's pretty tough to reach at times when it comes to doing a show. He's easy to reach with other stuff, but not when it's time to do a show. Convenient. <laughs> but Neil definitely, he's, he's, he's one for one. I, I love it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so here we go. Now we get to talk about the most exciting stuff of all. So of course, it was the season review of the previous segment and tough season to talk about. And uh, there's a reason why a, a guy by the name of Doug Risebrow was running this team. <laughs> but uh, first, though, first we're going to talk before we really, before I, at least before I rip Doug Risebrow, we're going to talk about Jacques Lemaire first. As uh, to me, this guy, I think he did, he got. As much out of this team as you could po- as you could possibly imagine, despite no matter what you can say about his defensive style and the neutral zone trap, he got the most out of the, the team that he could this season, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, um, I w- would have liked to see more offense, but because um, that's yes. what they're complaining about, you know, he's yes. more for a defensive <laughs> player. But you know, if you don't have good defense you're pretty much screwed. So um would I like to see more offense, but, you know, defense, we, you know, we could use that. So Yeah, definitely. I mean, the defense, with this team, especially the way it was directed, especially this year, there was virtually no, there was like virtually no prolific scorer on this team this season, especially with Gabrick's injury. And then you also had, uh, you also had, um, you know, like the the losses of Brian Ralston, the losses of Demetra, as much as, you know, he's a debated individual. I couldn't stand him, but uh, other people out there, I'm sure, appreciated what he could do. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of, those kind of losses are going to totally turn your team into a, a team that you, you're either going to focus on defense or you're going to be the, the Atlanta Thrashers. You're going to try to score goals, but then give up like 99 goals a game and, and have a horrible team. <laughs> Which is yeah. basically what the Atlanta Thrashers are all about. I mean, welcome, welcome to Hotlanta, the worst uh, sports city in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, which I think the Eastern Conference kind of lacks defense. Anyways, they're all about you know high scoring and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. which also will bring us back to Gabrick in a second as we when we shift over to uh, Doug Risebrow, um, Jacques Lemaire though. One quick thing, though, that I'm going to say about Jacques Lemaire, this may may upset some fans out there. Probably not too many, as they'll when I make the point, they'll they'll understand. I'm hoping is uh, now Jacques Lemaire did overachieve, did get the Wild to overachieve, especially in 0203 when he guided the Minnesota Wild to the uh, the conference finals. With the the Wild only had this the sixth seed. In the Western Conference, they were able to take out just prolific teams in Colorado and Vancouver, back-to-back rounds, just dramatic seven-game series, where in both series they were trailing three games to one. They won games game fives on the road, which are just unbelievable, and game sevens on the road, which are even more unbelievable. Back-to-back series, just it was stuff that I'll remember the rest of my life. And Jacques Lemaire absolutely was, you know, a major part of that. Of course, Marion Gabrick had. 
the only good playoffs he'll probably ever have in his life. As a, a lot of us thought we finally had a clutch player in Minnesota, which seems to be against the rules here. Yeah. <laughs> guy who can lead your team in the postseason. But um, to me, you know how they say the NHL had to adjust to Jacques Lemaire's coaching style, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was a major thing. The, you know, he was that good that they teams, you know, the Wild couldn't sneak up on anybody anymore. And people adjusted to it. But here was the problem, though. Here was the problem that reared its ugly head. When teams adjust to you and coaching coaches and coaching schemes adjust to your style of play, mm-hmm. you need to make adjustments, and the Wild refused to do that. Yeah. They refused to do it, and to me, that is, was the the major flaw in the Wilds' coaching scheme, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, seemed like they were kind of going, you know, for the same kind of, you know, players. You know, they never tried to seem to step out of, you know, with their comfort zone, that's for sure. Yeah, it seemed like that's what it was all about, was comfort zone with the Minnesota Wild. That's just – and – Oh, and now as we get into the, this guy named Doug Risebrow, I mean, it was all about comfort zone, especially with Risebrow. And, uh, hey, the, the arrogance of some of the upper management with this team is, regardless of who's on this team, be it Gabrick or Demetra or whoever, or, you know, Stefan Veyu for crying out loud, you know, <laughs> is <laughs> we're going to continue to sell out hockey games because we have not failed to sell out a single hockey game. And, uh, Yep, state of hockey. Yeah, and that was kind of the arrogance and the fatal flaw with guys like Doug Risebrow, where he just seemed to have this this attitude where he didn't really he he didn't he didn't like to be corrected at all. Like you know that wasn't the best move ever, and he would just pretty much react like, "How dare you even question what I'm doing? I know way more than you'll ever know, and that's all there is to it." And yeah. um. And that's kind of how, uh, you know, corporate is, you know. Oh, they absolutely. Don't, yeah, they don't see anyone's point of view, but they're, you know, what they think is right. And, you know, it's yeah. my way or the highway. My way or the highway. And that's the way it was with Doug Risebrough. A lot of people say he wasn't the easiest guy to work with either, which is, you know, I can understand that's probably going to happen as a lot of coaches and GMs have huge egos out there. But, uh now, they started off really good, as I'll just go through the first round here super quick. They started off really good, of course, getting Marine Gabrick, the prolific scorer, a franchise winger, mm-hmm. as as they describe it. And he really is a franchise winger with his talent. The, the injuries make you wonder if he's really a franchise player or not. But you can't really – I mean, uh, like nobody saw that coming, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then – the second year, at first it looked like a disappointment because it took forever for him to develop, but Miko Koivu definitely developed into a really good player. That was a nice pick. But mm-hmm. um, To go back on the Gabrick mm-hmm. situation with the Rising yeah. Girl, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, his agent, who is his brother, Gabrick's brother, yeah, um, yeah. I guess Risenberg and, uh, and his brother did not see eye to eye whatsoever, you know. Yeah, like that's been an issue too for for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm gonna throw a curveball at you. Uh-oh. What's the chance? What's the chances of Gabbert coming back to the Wild this year? Because Risenborough's gone. Ooh, you know, and Lemire's Jack, gone. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Ma- Jack Lemire's gone. So that was uh, also Gabbert's complaint was about you know not having as much offense as you know, of a scheme as he wanted here in Minnesota. So if uh, we can get someone, you know, with that offensive, like, you know, that spark, you know, that, you know, that awesome, like, scheme of offense, you know, if we could get a coach like that and, you know, management who are going to bring talent to this team, you know, who knows, you know. that That's the key. Yeah, I mean, it really is about – Will he? I mean, would he be willing to stick around? Because that that could be that could there 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 could be some hope of that. Excuse me, I'm having trouble talking here. Uh, he has very little history with Craig Leopold, whereas with Negley, you know, I, I don't think there was really a huge animosity with him. But with mild wild mild excuse me wild management in general, there was a lot of animosity because the coaching style, the the lack of. Uh, the lack of free agency, like uh, 
Murray and Gabbert was furious how the Wild never seemed to make moves at trade deadlines. They never did. Like Chris Simon, instead of guys like maybe a Marion Hosa, who's his best friend, by the way. Or, sure. you know, maybe they, they could have made a bigger push for Peter Forsberg, I thought, the other year. They, I, I don't think they really made a, a, a good enough push for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just typical Doug Risebrow there. Whereas, uh, a franchise that I think is doing a really good job is the Washington Capitals. Oh, yeah. What a recovery they, uh, they've made. What? Oh, oh, I said what a recovery they've made. Yeah, I know. Just beautiful. They uh, have Ovechkin, which was an awesome, you know, draft pick. You know, that's like winning the like the lottery practically, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy's the next, to be he's the next Mario Lemieux. And that's yeah, like a, I'm, I'm trying to be careful saying that, but the guy scores goals better than anybody I've seen since Lemieux. He just gets around anybody and everybody he wants. And, I mean, there's one goal where he's literally falling over, yet he maintains control of the puck and scores. And it was just unbelievable, the play he made on that goal. I mean, it's something I've seen on YouTube, like, probably 10, 15 times, and I I could watch it all day. Yeah, they still talk about it, you know. Like, it's even uh, uh, Gretzky is saying that it's the best goal he's ever seen. Yeah, it really was, yeah. I mean, it's the best goal I've ever seen, that's for sure. And if, if Wayne's saying it, then then it has to be. It has to be the yeah. best goal ever because that guy was the best. Mm-hmm. But, and yeah. it was uh, oh, yep. weird, too, that it was against his team, you know. Mm-hmm. It kind of figures, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. I, I, I guess there's a Vetchkin's opportunity to say, here you go. Mm-hmm. Let's show the greatest ever what what I can do. Maybe I could be at you know somewhere near his level at some point in time. But we need management on the wild that can mirror what the Washington Capitals did because he also brought in, like, great talent like Fetter, like an yeah. old vet like that. He was mm-hmm. an awesome, like, addition on to that team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Sergey Fedorov, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, um, you know, an, another team majorly that has that really built a foundation of players such the Chicago Blackhawks. It's like I hate to say that as a lot of us old North Star fans hate the Blackhawks. <laughs> but, yeah, they put together one heck of a, a core of players over there, and they have a chance to be something pretty special. Mm. The Wild need to do that ASAP. And um, as I go real quick now back to uh, Risebrow and his draft history, now the, mm. the his, his, his third draft pick was Pierre-Marc Bouchard. That wasn't too bad. But now, or excuse me, then there was one more. A guy named Brent Burns taken as a forward ended up being a defenseman, which was kind of weird. I mean, they got lucky basically with that. I don't mm-hmm. think that was talent as much as it was luck because he wasn't nearly as good as a forward as he is a defenseman. Yeah. And then now we really get into the deep blemishes here. A.J. Thielen. A.J. Thielen, who was taken in the first round by the Wild, never – Never came close to even making the team. He was so yeah. horrible. <laughs> he was He's so, so horrible. bad that I haven't even heard of, you know, him or whatever. No one ever talks about him, so, yeah. Yeah, he was completely removed from the organization within three years. No longer with Houston Arrows or anything. Completely Jeez. done. That's how horrible of a disappointment he was. He what was a piece ki- of garbage. Yeah, yeah, he was kicked off his college team, too, from Michigan <laughs> State. Think about that. That's just that's just pitiful. And then, of course, now we head to the next one, the great Benoit Puglia, fourth overall pick, and, well, need I say more? <laughs> that that didn't work out at all. James Shepard, is he, is he capturing your imagination yet? Uh, not really, no. no? I don't no? see much improvement uh, from him from last year. Uh, no. There's a, I know there's a whole lot of room for improvement. He just needs the right kind of coach to push him. Yeah. I mean, there's still a chance with James Shepard. I'm not completely giving up on him. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, man, last year was really tough to stomach. Um, and then Colton Gillies, obviously it's too early, too raw and everything. But so far, I, I didn't really see anything that amazing out of him either, Colton Gillies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they traded up to get him, by the way. Which means yeah, yeah. You, you gave up a mid-round draft pick. I think it was a third-round pick to get him. Mm-hmm. So, well, I don't know. I don't know if that was really a smart move. kind of seems uh, like uh, Kuliad and, you know, Gillies is, like, 
part, you know, the Risenboro air, you know, like the same kind, like he thinks, you know, he knows everything and, you know, like no one knows anything about, you know, who to pick and stuff. That was like all him, those picks. It's like he picked them because, you know, that's his comfort zone, the type yeah. of players there. Yeah, he just wants kind of just his guys, and that's about all there is to it. Um, and then the final pick, Tyler Kuma, obviously we know nothing yet. Yeah, there was the second defenseman they ever took in the first round, mm-hmm. um, and that is pretty much all she wrote there. I mean, I can't really comment too much about Tyler Kuma yet, way too early. Uh, mm-hmm. But now here's the funny part. How many other draft picks? You know how in the NHL there are seven rounds in the NHL draft. How many mm-hmm. draft picks have have really survived with the Minnesota Wild beyond the first round? Uh, there's, not al- there's almost none, and that is pitiful. Almost none. Uh, yeah, I mean, now here's one. Nick Schultz, that was okay, second-round pick. That was an okay one. But he's, you know, he's just a stay-at-home defenseman, and he's just a role player. You know, pardon, yeah. pardon me, maybe Nick Schultz fans out there, but he's just a role player. Uh-oh, <laughs> I heard that. No, okay, but yeah, maybe that's Doug Risebrow, right? <laughs> trying to, trying to say, hey, Probably. stop it. No, or, or it's Nick Schultz. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> one that was an okay pick, but I mean, it's not like he's a franchise goalie or anything. That would be. Excuse me, what am I saying? That would be, uh, why am I blanking right now? Josh Harding, I'm really, that was really embarrassing. But yeah, Josh Harding, you know, that was a decent draft pick. Not not too bad. He's, that one I'll, I'll give, uh, Risebrough credit, at least somewhat. That, that was an okay pick. Um, other than that, gosh. Yeah, it wasn't bad <laughs> when we got, you know, we had to get rid of, uh, Fernandez, or Manny Fernandez, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is this, wasn't working out, you know. He was yeah. a really good hockey player. Is this too hot uh, and cold? Yeah. Uh, too it too hot. Seemed like he wanted too much and whatever. Yeah, it's like you know he when he's doing well he's great, and then one thing goes wrong and he just lose it, and he'll mm-hmm. he'll he'll get you killed. That that was where uh, Manny's problem was, and where Baxter's strength is. I mean, he is just an even keel guy. Mm-hmm. My my personal most valuable player for this season, but. Um, yep. Yeah, that that pretty much is all she wrote. Other Stefan Veyu, a third round pick, he's on the team. That's great, but again, just another grinder. They've they've never been able to find a diamond in the rough, like say in the fourth round and such. I mean, Andrew Brunette was taken in, I believe, it was the sixth round. I mean, wow, that was a fantastic pick by the Washington Capitals. Of course, he's not there. You know, he he barely played there, but still, they found somebody, or at least somebody picked him up later whereas the Wild already got him when he was, like, leading the Atlanta Thrashers in scoring years ago. So that's one of those deals there. Doug Risebrough's draft history, to me, absolutely pathetic. And you look at the Houston Arrows, there's nobody on that roster right now that tells me the Wild has much of a future at all. Mm-hmm. It scares me. Oh, I'll go ahead. And, and that always seems to happen to management. Like, they pretty much don't get rid of them until, like, the team's futures and is, like, in the dumps, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very frustrating how they didn't they didn't make a move sooner. I wish they did. But um, mm-hmm. that's the deal. I mean, that's all she wrote with, with Doug Risebrough. A, a lot of people out there, I mean, people were defending him for some strange reason, saying, oh, you know, we had a competitive team and how many – playoff series as Columbus won. They made their first playoff appearance. The Wild made their third last year, but well, that doesn't mean mediocrity makes you great, though. You know, that that's my argument, and I don't want to be compared to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'd rather be compared to the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Chicago Blackhawks right now, and the Capitals, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's... people defended Risenborough because uh, he is, like, you know, he doesn't, well, Besides this year, this year was totally visible. All his, uh, you know, weaknesses and all the mistakes he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, since it's, you know, been one of the, we won the division, you know, last year. So it's like, this is the first year that it's like, holy crap, you know, what are you doing, you know, for us? Pretty mm-hmm. much nothing. 
Yeah. It, 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 I mean, this year it really reared its ugly head more than more than ever. But, uh, like, I, I was getting – I'll admit I was getting frustrated with him the last two years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, like, last year I was kind of thinking, I don't know, something's got to happen here. But um, mm-hmm. I was probably more quiet about it than I should have been. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you, the frustrating thing is those draft picks and there's just nothing there. Whereas now we're looking at possible replacements. To me, well, there's there's three major ones. Chuck Fletcher, assistant GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's the son of uh, Cliff Fletcher, who's been around the NHL forever. He's been an NHL executive forever. Um, Pierre Maguire, longtime NHL GM, and uh, he was also a uh, he's also like with the. NBC and, and Versus, he's, he's like one of the major media guys. You know, he's kind of the, uh, I guess you could say for basketball equivalent, he would be Mike Fratello or something, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah. a guy who's, who's been a coach and a uh, been around the media for a long time. You know, he's kind of does both. And then another one is assistant GM Paul Fenton of the Predators. Now, that people would accuse uh, Craig Leopold of going with his comfort zone if he were to pick up Paul Fenton because, of course, we know Craig Leopold owned the National Predators for nine years. Mm. So that's one scary thought there. To me, if you have to pick any of them, I mean, I, you just don't know what's going to happen. But I, I would personally go with Chuck Fletcher, who's only 41. And he's. they said he's been a huge part of the development of these Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, I mean, I know you get the number one pick in a year that Sidney Crosby's available. Well, that's not necessarily talent, but... It's it's the other pieces around him as well. I mean that team is very deep. Yeah. So to me, I mean, I like Malkin. Uh, Malkin's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Malkin. There's another really high draft pick, but still at the same time, they took the right people, and uh, you know they got Gonshar and and, and other big pieces. Dupree. Mm-hmm. Pascal Dupree. Yeah, Pascal Dupree. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's actually done a decent job over there, believe it or not, despite, you know, he kind of, he had a couple of good years here and then kind of faded off. But, yeah, he's, he's emerged nicely with Pitts, with Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. But um, that is a, it's a, that that's a guy I'd want. I mean, a 41-year-old who's up and coming. They also uh, believe that there's a legit possibility that he would go after a former gopher to be the head coach. So that is the way things can go there. He's a former gopher from years ago. For some reason, it's escaping me. I don't have his name in front of me, which sucks, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. Mm. Um, but, uh, that, I mean, that would probably excite fans the most, picking up that guy, I guess, at this point in time. Some of these other guys, guy, you know, been around. Pat Quinn is kind of one of the people as well. It's another guy to kind of look at. Um, I heard something about the Canadians coach uh, maybe coming here, like kind of like uh, Jack came from the Canadian oh, organization. Oh, Guy Carboneau? Um, I, yeah, I think it's so. Yeah, like the the guy that was just recently fired, right? Or do you mean the, the current one? Um, the, the, the I don't current? know if it was the current one or the one that just got fired. Maybe mm. it was the one that just got fired. Yeah, because I gotta think it must be Guy Carbono because Bob Gainey is the uh, yeah Bob Gainey's the GM over there. So, and mm-hmm. yeah, but obviously former North Star coach. That'd be kind of interesting to have Bob Gainey back. But he's the guy that guided the North Stars to that '91 Finals. That would have been. I mean, it'd be fun, but I mean, he's pretty much the guy over there in Montreal, at least the boss right now. He mm-hmm. that's the second time he's done that in recent years. Fired the uh, current coach and took over for the the, the uh, last couple months of the year. But uh, mm-hmm. that's pretty much the deal with that. Um, do you have any preference in these guys, or is it kind of hard to say at this point in time? Yeah, it is kind of hard to um, say at this point. I would like mm-hmm. to see um, the guy who just got fired from the Canadians. Mm-hmm. I would like to see him as a coach? new new coach. Um, I think he he might be able to bring over Sako Koivu. Oh, yes. Um, Yes, and that would just be amazing connecting those two, the Koivu brothers on the line, kind of like the Bash brothers. Yeah, the Bash brothers, and you could also, you know, you know, and you could kind of compare them to the Sedin twins as well. Mm-hmm. So I know they're on our hated rival Canucks, but at the same time, talent is talent, and 
Um, Saku Kuevu, yeah, I mean, that would be pretty cool. There there has been talk about that for for a while, that that would be a good combination. And now, <laughs> you know, there there is a distinct possibility of that happening. Mm-hmm. Especially if we lose Marine Gavrik, we're going to have tons of cap space. So we'll see. I, I, I just wish we could get rid of Kim Janssen. You talk about a guy who's hogging up cap space and is not nearly the, as talented a player as, as his, you know, cap mm-hmm. figure would determine, as you could say. There, there There's another Risebrow special right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just hated, hated yeah, Kim Janssen, like, especially uh, his first year here. I wish he was like kind of like how the Twins, you know, management, you know, don't pay the player more than he's worth, you know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to do that. And that was the only reason I was okay with the Wild losing uh, Brian Ralston because, sure, they had him at a sweet, they got a sweetheart deal with him the first time around, and then he, you know, had three 30 goal years in a row, and then he wanted $5 million. And in the NHL, that is a load of money, and it kills you. It kills you salary cap wise signing a guy for five million a year, especially when, like I said numerous times in Paladino Live last year. Mm-hmm. Sure, he scores thirty goals, but he's never good in the clutch. You need a goal yeah. now, and he's going to get it for you. That's mm-hmm. that's what used to drive me nuts about uh, Brian Olson. And I used to piss off other other Wild fans when I talk about trading him for like a defenseman or something. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. I guess we saw what happened this year, losing him and then getting a better defense, but it still didn't help this team very much. Mm-hmm. No. But that's pretty much the bit. Uh, overall, I guess that pretty much wraps up things for now. Yeah, it's, it, uh, it's pretty uh, good for, you know, so far, you know, the 2009 uh, the season, you know. Mm-hmm. Not much more that we can uh, go through. Yeah, there's not much more we can talk about at this point in time. And, of course, we're still impatiently, and I'm going to emphasize impatiently, waiting for the Wild to make a move. they got to hire a GM sooner or later. It's just we just sit here the last three weeks of, of just pure silence until this, this week. Finally, they're talking about it again, but still no action. So that's pretty much going to be the next show, I guess, is when there's finally some type of announcement of who it is. And they need to get someone in there before the the draft begins. You know, they got to get things, you know, steamrolling because, mm-hmm. you know, the more time that, you know. In between now and the draft, yeah. Yep. The, the, the more time in between now and the draft, the better because you got to just – Get the guy with his who whatever his philosophy is, and he can just be ready to go. Mm-hmm. That's the key. So I yep. guess I guess that's where we stand at this point in time. Of course, you need the coach too, and what kind of players he's going to want, and you know the GM has to hire him. Oh, it's like hurry up, guy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Wolves need to do the same thing, by the way, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, this has definitely been the uh, the longest and most informative version of Brave the Wild, and this has been a blast, Neil. We definitely got to have you on here again. What do you say oh, to that idea? <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, it's absolutely. Been yep. pretty, it's been an awesome time, you know. I absolutely. learned stuff, and, you know, it was uh, fun chatting with you about the Wild. I do love hockey. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, Minnesota all the time, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely be getting this thing together again very soon, maybe, maybe for that, that new GM signing. Oh, yeah. Well, we will talk again. For we sure. will be back. All right. We will be back. <laughs> as as Gabrick said when they defeated the uh, Colorado Avalanche in that 2003, he said, we are coming back. No. <laughs> I still remember that. I, I like have a psychotic memory, as some of you listeners out there probably would notice. <laughs> All right. As, this, as a lot of my shows are note-free, I mean, I just kind of go. I just kind of go. I mean, I I have notes, but sometimes I don't. Yep. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff. So, again, thanks again, Neil, and that'll conclude Brave the Wild for this current week. It has been a blast, as you can tell, and to me this has been my favorite edition of Brave the Wild. I hope it's been yours as well. And uh, thanks for sticking with us. It's been an hour-plus show. 
do take care, and we'll see you as soon as the Wild finally make some type of move. We're also going to keep up with the Stanley Cup playoffs, just not on this show because this is about the Minnesota Wild, especially today. So until then, we'll be keeping an eye out.